With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, baseball family. We have with us Jim and Mike of the Pioneer League. And Brig and I are just made of questions, to be honest, with everyone here. Because we have we've expressed our connection to the Pioneer League. You know, Brig spent a whole season in uh, in one particular seat uh, with the Ormals, and I spent an entire season in the press box with the Ormals. So we have we have strong connections to the Pioneer League. We have these guys here, but the the first thing we want to ask about is this uh, this knock what is it knockout home run tiebreaker thing instead of extra innings. I mean, first, like where, where did this where did this thing come from? Well, it's it's been something uh, percolating in the back of my twisted mind for some time. Um, only because, uh, and, and, and by the way, it has very little to do with what it's become known for, which is incredibly entertaining and fan engaging and exciting, exciting. It, it was actually born out of basic economic and health and safety principles. Um, the basic economics of, of it are that at the low minor league levels, particularly, um, if you keep the gates open for extra innings uh, and you're an operator, you lose money. Uh, you mm-hmm. have to keep your staff going. Um, mm-hmm. You have uh, you lose baseballs. That's five bucks a pop. Um, and you've got no corresponding revenue because by the time you get to the ninth or 10th or 11th or 12th inning, uh, nobody's buying. Well, beer has been shut off. No, everybody's eating hot dogs. I mean, they're not they're not, the few people that are still there aren't buying anything. So it's, it's a cost center, but, but even more importantly, perhaps is the the health and safety of players at this level, when you have to rush, run through your bullpen uh, because you've got to play extra innings, you're putting a lot of wear and tear on young kids arms. And we don't have ready access to um, a pool of players like a major league club would um, with their minor league system. They can just call a player up. At, at this level, we don't we don't have that ability, so we are running um, a tremendous risk of hurting players, and um, of not being able to readily replace them. So, um, in in thinking this through, um, it became clear to me that even the international rule, which Major League Baseball is using with putting the runner on second base, still doesn't resolve the problem because you can still go 10, 11, 12 innings. I've seen it. Um, and and it, it still costs you money. So we wanted to come up with something that would get over quickly, but might keep a few fans around because it was going to be interesting and kind of fun um, and, and give the players even something to something to get excited about and and not just go through the drudgery of all these extra innings. And, and so um, if you look at, you know, other sports, soccer, hockey, they have face-offs or shootouts or whatever. And we thought, well, what's the corresponding um, action in, in baseball? And that would be, uh, and again, I don't use this as a um, anything other than a term of art, uh, uh, a home run type derby thing. Uh, yeah. that's, that, 
that's a uh, copyrighted name, which we, we do not use. Um, uh, but um, we call it the knockout round. And um, I would say, and, and Jim, you can comment further, but it's been tremendously successful. Oh, yeah, tremendous. This is vintage Mike Shapiro and uh, PBL knockout is what we call it. And it has just uh, been tremendous. It is always better if the home team knocks it out. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> it, you know, it has all the quality of a walk-off um, and the players mm -hmm. sort of treat it like a walk-off and um, that's exciting and that's fun. Um, you know, I just did a tour of the league and, and, and went to a game at every ballpark. And I think out of the eight games I saw, four of them were tied in the eighth or the ninth and people are talking about, wow, I hope it stays tied. We're going to get a knockout. We can't wait to see it. Wow. that's And that was one of the thoughts I had was, as you're talking about it, how like everybody gets excited for it, I wonder how often home teams are like, we got a runner on second. Let's just leave him so we can do a knockout because that's a good time. Because <laughs> I talked to actually a kid uh, when I was in college. He he was a former pitcher, and we were like in like the 13th inning of this college game he goes man if i'd have been on the mound this game had been over he's like what do you mean he's like i don't do extra innings he's like if i'm up there i'm if i'm pitching in extras i will groove one and give up a home run he's like i don't stick around for extra innings yeah <laughs> no i i've i've heard that before as well i mean extra innings are are reviled in 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 all levels of baseball um we we just had the nerve to go ahead and do something about it <laughs> it's pretty bold it is pretty bold it's pretty radical and I, that's why we love it right we need change mm -hmm. in baseball and mike i know you said you're a purist i would consider myself a purist as well but what what did you see any major backlash when you were presenting this idea before it was vetted before people got to see the proof of concept no, our, our uh, general managers and our managers and our owners were all supportive of, of it because they understood that, again, this was just not some quirky move, to, uh, you know, a change of the rules to create some buzz and to do something goofy. It, it had real economic and health and safety reasons, as I said. And I think um, that resonated with, with ownership and, and uh, with the general managers who have to manage to a budget. Um, and and everybody knows. I mean, it's one of it's one of the worst kept secrets in certainly in minor league baseball how awful it is to have extra innings. And so we just said, well, why do we have extra innings? Let's just get it over with. I mean, listen, our business there's a truism, and and, and there's a it's a parable, and it's the parable of the family of four. And the family of four leaves a ballpark. And uh, uh, they say among themselves, wasn't that fun? We're going to come back and we're going to do it again. We had such a good time. And by the way, we should tell our friends that we all had such a good time. And the young child says, yeah, I had a great time. By the way, who won the game? We've done our job. We've given yeah. family of four mm -hmm. a wonderful time. And the game doesn't matter. And so, you know, again, you can't take yourself so seriously that at this level of play, yes, you want to see these kids succeed. And yes, uh, for community pride and all that, eh, okay, get it a little bit. But by and large, it's all about entertaining families and friends and folks who are coming out for a, you know, a lovely 
summer night at the ballpark. It, 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 it has mm-hmm. less to do with wins and losses than at the big league level. Yeah, Brad and yeah. I talk about that all the time. We One of my favorite things – I prefer minor league baseball over major league baseball for that reason. Um, and I, I make that very clear. I've been to minor league ballparks all over the country. It's one of my favorite things to do. I invite them with me as often as possible. I had a group come with me uh, two Sundays ago to the Greenville Drive game, and they had never been to a baseball game before. And they said, I had no idea it could be so much fun. I had no idea it would be so enjoyable. And this was, there were four kids. The youngest is 12. The oldest was, I think, 16 or 17. It was, it was a great experience, but you can talk, right? Yeah. And, or, and then you can watch and yeah, you don't I mean, lose the nuances of the game. I've spent my entire career um, in either major league ballparks or minor league ballparks. And I can tell you that they are vastly different experiences. Mm-hmm. And you go, yep. And I'm not, uh, I am not weighing one against the other or saying qualitatively one is better than the other. I, I love Major League Baseball. I love to watch the best athletes in the world perform the most beautiful game in the world. Yeah. All of that is great, and um, it has its, its purpose. But there's also a, a, an entirely different reason for going to minor league games, and that is we don't want to spend a fortune – um, mm-hmm. We just want to go out and have a nice night out with our friends or with our family. Let the kids, you know, have some fun hot dogs and ice cream, and let's let let's just all have a good time, you know. And it's not going to break the family bank, so you know, mm-hmm. it's a completely different experience. Yeah, yeah it's it, apples to oranges, is what it is. It is You're really exactly yeah. right. Yeah, because that's like I I go to a big league game to watch the game. Like I don't want right. to be bugged. I don't necessarily want to be talked to too much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we experienced that last week. <laughs> <laughs> I took him to a an Arizona Diamondbacks game, and uh, flew out there. Took him to a game, and he was like, "Stop! I'm an extrovert, right?" I so the, I got the whole section saying, you know, cheering with me, and every and Brad's sitting there like, "Shh, stop!" It's, it was so funny. Yeah, but yeah, but I'm more like Brig when I go to a minor league game. Though I'm willing to yeah. sit and talk to people around me. But yeah, no. But I, back to the knockout real quick though. I do have a question for you because, I mean, I guess you've kind of already answered it, but I just want to make sure I'm, I guess, on the right track here. Because my initial thought was, why not play two or three innings before you go in? You know, before you go into the knockout. But was was that ever considered? Was it considered? You know, go maybe to the twelfth inning, tenth inning, no. or just, no, just straight in, just economically <laughs> economically sound, go straight into it. It defeats the purpose uh, of playing any extra innings. I mean, again, if I, you know, I always said if if I were the president of a league, I would do away with extra innings altogether. And well, mm-hmm. I became the president of a league, and the first thing I did was get rid of extra innings. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the one it's the one promise I made uh, in life that I actually kept. The reason I had that thought was just because, like in soccer, they'll play like extra time, and hockey they'll play an extra period, and things like that. And that was that was why I had the initial thought. But when you explained it the way you did, just get rid of it. It makes sense. It makes yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. It serves no purpose in minor league baseball. Nor does it. It doesn't keep the audience engaged either. And you're right. Like every every way you shake that down, you've made the right decision. I think. I and I hadn't thought about it that way either. That's fascinating. So well, Mike, I'll oh, go ahead. I'm go sorry. ahead. No, no you I, was go ahead. Say, I was going to say that, you know, again, uh, back to the experience that, I mean, Jim and I were together um, at a couple of these games and, 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 you know, you, 
there it builds up an anticipation that oh my goodness we may get a knockout we're gonna stay and um it it changes the psychographics of the fans um that oh no we're gonna get extra innings ah let's you know let's get out of here let's beat the traffic as yeah. opposed to shoot we may we may get a knockout we gotta stay and see that big difference yeah. And it's got a definitive end ending too. It's not you're not going to you know have to potentially sit there for a whole other game up to eighteen yeah. innings. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so my next question is for both of you: It what else would you change? Right? If you if you had your druthers and you do, what what other changes would you would you like to implement? Well, we did make other changes, um, and yeah. uh, unfortunately, because of the. Uh, publicity that the knockout round got um the other key changes that we made uh got a whole lot less attention but um we we created a designated pinch hitter and a designated pinch runner and that was born out of again a feeling that um with the designated hitter um a lot of strategy was taken out of the game in my opinion same I'm with you. Yeah. Thank you. All right, right. I, I think so, we can all agree on that, actually, well, yeah. as much as I um, like it. There are precious little things that you can do to put <laughs> strategy back into the game. So one idea that we came up with was, what if you were able to take that um, light-hitting shortstop who's coming up in the bottom of the eighth, um, pinch hit for him, but but then put him back in defensively at least one time a game? You're giving the manager another tool and the same thing. Let's say your slow footed catcher gets a base hit in the, in the top of the eighth. You take him out for a pinch runner. You get to put him back in. I mean, Ugh. I just thought that w- those were cool wrinkles that just haven't gotten the kind of uh, attention that they deserve. Because if you ask the managers in our league, they'll tell you that, you know, that this really helps their increase the tools that they have to help manage a game. Well, and they're developing themselves as well. They're right. It's not just about the players at this level. It's also about the managers and all the coaching staff. Everybody's working their way up. Everybody's trying to hone their craft and improve their career. Yeah. Jim, you want to talk about the managers? Well, the, uh, the managers <laughs> um, generally are, are, are the ones we, we have today. You don't, I mean, they develop, they may do well here, and and some have been, uh, not all have been with a major league club at some point in time in our organization, but our, our managers are generally older than the uh, development players. We have a, a three-year limit, experience limit, but we define a year a little bit differently. Uh, back in the old affiliated days, if you spent one week or a day on somebody's active roster, that was a year's experience that counted. But we say for a position player, if you didn't play 45 games in a year, it doesn't count. If you're a starting pitcher, if you didn't start 10 games in a year, that year doesn't count. If you are a combo relief pitcher or a combo pitcher, you need to have appeared in 25 games for that year to count. And we don't count the Dominican summer, just like affiliated ball does not as well, and some others as well. So um, we are, uh, we did a couple of things. Uh, first of all, our league has been around a long time, since 1939. Mm-hmm. And we were a full-season league, a Class C league. And to put things in somewhat of perspective is all of these, uh, can say Rocky Mountain, Inland West, uh, cities had teams back around the turn of the century on 
Uh, it was the, you know, the U.S. Army that brought the baseball in some form to the Native Americans, and they played in the 1880s and the like. You may know the story. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but in the 29 crash, many of the teams went with the crash and, and died at that point in time. And it took 10 years to get the Pioneer League going again in 1939 uh, with a pharmacist in Pocatello, Idaho named Jack Hollowell. And he had others as well working. And we were a Class C league, full season, uh, starting in the spring and going through September. To put things in perspective, I think Denver didn't get its team back until maybe 1942 or so, and they were Class D, one level below hmm. the Pioneer League. And the Pioneer League, with all the leagues after World War II, you know, many, I say all of them, many were dying, teams were going, and Major League Baseball needed a Class A league, and the Pioneer League rose to the Class A level. Then in 1964, Major League Baseball uh, incorporated an experiment, and we became short season. Uh, in 63, uh, the Appy League had become a short season league as an experiment. And the next year, uh, Major League Baseball restructured as they did this last year. And uh, the Pioneer League suddenly is a short season league, and only three owners stepped up thinking they could make it. A fourth came in Caldwell, Idaho. And uh, we had a four-team league. It was up to eight by 1970-whatever. Uh, and so we've been around a long time. So we've got, you know, really stable ballparks, stable communities, stable ownership, and uh, and, and the like uh, in coming forward. That's interesting. In the other restructure, we became a short season. Now we're back, as I started this, where we were. We're a full-season league, and, mo- and we're hiring our own players. Most of the teams in 1939 hired their own. Branch Rickey had a farm club. Cincinnati had a farm club. The Yankees would move in. One of our clubs was a farm club of the Spokane Hawks, and the Spokane Hawks were a farm club of the Seattle Rainiers. So things were different, you know, back in that particular day. But we're kind of back where we started. I call it the third era. Um, yeah. Jim is talking from experience because he was a ticket taker in 1939. <laughs> my soul, my last life. Yeah, <laughs> that's where I would have been. Uh, yeah, there's something about this baseball that Mike Shapiro's in baseball. I'm in baseball. Uh, you know, Brig and you and Brad Nasty are in baseball. Uh, it's uh, it's you know, why do we spend our time in baseball? There's got to be something uh, spiritual about it or something that. I 100% agree with that. In fact, yeah. We, yeah, that's one of the things that we we like to talk to people about is what is it? Right? What is it that keeps us going? I mean, I wasn't even an athlete in the baseball capacity past my freshman year of high school. So, uh, you know, I played other sports and did other things. And then, you know, my life took me in different directions, but I've always hung on to it. And why? I don't know. It's the yeah, it's magical. Gosh, I was, uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, 37 years old when I got into the game. Mike got into it much sooner, and I would have loved to have been in his position. Uh, Bobby Brett, who owns the Spokane Club, George Brett's brother, looked at me one time and said, you know, are you crazy? You've got a law degree from the University of Texas, and you want to be in minor league baseball? He would have said the same thing to you, Mike, you know. Uh, <laughs> except you, were, you, you got into the major leagues right off the bat where the carpet is much better. For the same result, well, the, chance, if I not, remember, not at Candlestick Park. The carpet was really awful there. <laughs> my my, uh, my first uh, gig, and uh, I went to you know when I got released out of I played indie ball out of college, and uh, I, I made it eight games because I am uh, short and left-handed, uh, and there's no place to play. Um, 
so when I got released, I went to law school because I didn't know what else to do with my life. And uh, my first job after passing the California bar was general counsel for the Giants. And just, you know, kismet, whatever. Wow. <laughs> and then and then from there I went to the I went on to the uh, I stayed with the Giants for like 12 years. And then I went on to the Braves and then um, the Nationals. And, and I'm still actually with the Orioles. I, I split my time between the Pioneer hmm. League and the Orioles. In what capacity? You, attendance capacity or, or my capacity? No, no, your capacity with Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we well, so I was, I was executive vice president up until the pandemic, and then uh, uh, I, I left my, uh, my little apartment in Baltimore to come back home here to Northern California to be with my family. And I kind of decided I didn't want to go back as much as I love Baltimore. And I, lo I love the fact that my office was in the warehouse and all the folks in Baltimore, just terrific uh, from ownership. Everybody's wonderful there. But, um, you know, I, 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 I wasn't into going back to live alone in, in, a, in an apartment in Baltimore after having come back home with my family. And so um, made a deal so that I could continue doing the things that I was doing, but do it from here. So right now um, I still do the in-house legal work, but um, I'm also uh, developing the Orioles' new Dominican Academy, which is a, 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 a total labor of love and, and um, uh, you know, a piece of whatever uh, uh, legacy I'm going to leave behind will be um, that academy because I, I, I just am in love with uh, the Dominican Republic and, and what baseball means down there. Mm -hmm. That's another yeah. long story about, the, about that stuff. But well, I was going to say that anyway. sounds like a whole other episode. That we can do. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm curious just about the Pioneer League itself. Um, what exactly does it mean to be an affiliate league? Because you know we've seen like all the all the leagues that have gone independent, and there's still yeah, they're independent leagues, and with all everything that's gone on. But what exactly specifically does affiliate league mean? For well, you? That's a perfect question for the professor. Um, <laughs> the affiliate league receives its players from Major League Baseball. And Major League Baseball pays the players, pays the managers, coaches, trainer, and provides a lot of materials and so forth. And they split uh, costs and all. And that's uh, affiliated ball. And as you know, in the restructure this last year, uh, the commissioner also decided uh, in looking at McKinsey Economic Reports and others, they needed to restructure uh, for various reasons and decided to basically to uh, close 42 plants and lay off 1,400 workers. And that's business, you know, uh, as such. And thus, we are now, uh, as we say, hiring and paying our own players, right, Mike? And a uh, number of other expenses uh, we are covering that uh, otherwise would have been uh, provided by Major League Baseball. And it's great to have Mike come in here. And I think his kind of virtual relationship now with the Orioles allowed you to do this, as I would understand it. Uh, and we got Henry Hunter, who's just been tremendous. Uh, we have another uh, worker and two interns. Uh, so we're having to take on our own streaming uh, Major League Baseball BAM is conducting our website. Uh, or what, you, what would you hosting. say? Hosting. Or hosting. Uh, hosting yeah. it, but we're providing the content. Next year, we'll probably take on our own websites and those sorts of things. Uh, properties, you know, the whole bit that we've relied on uh, that we uh, not only have take under in terms of the burden, but also the expense of it. But we're also freed of a number of limitations that right. he would have been under as a member of what we used to be called the National Association. What well, was originally the National Association of Professional Baseball Leagues, now called Minor League Baseball, 
which is on its short life uh, as such. As you know, the commissioner's office is now contracting uh, separately with each one of the teams. And you've got, uh, for instance, the old Northwest League, six of the old Northwest League teams are high A West uh, teams now. I always think it's a Y when I look at it, but it's high A West. <laughs> and they're pretty much run out of the commissioner's office. So you don't have the Northwest League or the PCL, those leagues. But right. the Pioneer Baseball League is still around. And, um, you know, one of the uh, one of the other interesting wrinkles to all of this, and 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 you know, Jim said it perfectly. Um, but uh, baseball has created this n- new relationship with several of the top independent leagues, uh, which includes the Atlantic League, the American Association, the Frontier League, and the Pioneer League as partner leagues. And you know, the exact um, impact and implication of being a partner league, I think, is still being um, hashed out and, and worked through. Um, we're, we're doing it kind of by experience and, and we're, um, we're trying to fashion what the definition of all that means, but there's still an association and a connection between major league baseball and, and the pioneer league. And, um, I, I think that, um, as we move forward into the future, um, we'll, we'll know more about what that really is going to mean. Right. No, very, very well said. Exactly right. Yeah, sorry. I think I meant that's what I meant was partner league instead of affiliate. League. So, affiliated league. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm, I'm glad you, you cleared that up. Yeah. Those are terms of art. So, yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know who art is, but <laughs> uh, when so we are a partner league uh, with Major League Baseball, we'll see where that goes. The uh, and, and what the industry uh, d- demands and uh, what works for both parties, if you will multi-parties out there so we'll see where it goes how it evolves right and there's you have a new set of stakeholders to listen to right like you you get to pay more attention to your fan base than you probably ever have been able to in the past that over the last years uh, minor league baseball and the affiliated since evolved over the years in the last number of years we've had so many second and third year players that were true prospects not just bodies to fill you know, 15 mm-hmm. years ago, that wouldn't have been the case. These guys were just needed to be a body. And if you were there in your second year, as you probably remember from Orem, but right. as, it, as it evolved, uh, if one did very well in the first half, most of the time they were moved up. And the second half team bore little resemblance to the first half. We had pitch counts and all of those kind of things. It can be very well defended and there's a purpose for them, but it, it was different from the old, uh, not only the yeah. old days, but affiliated ball as, as we knew it, uh, you know, a decade ago. And so this is really different. We've got uh, players that are our players. Uh, Mike, how many players did we decided we've sold to Major League Baseball at this point? Is it 10 it, or a dozen? Yeah, somewhere between, I think it's 10 or 12. Yeah. Um, we don't, we don't sell as many players up to Major League Baseball as say the Atlantic League or the American Association, because our players are, are so much younger and they're still in development stage. Um, although some are even at that that level of experience still um, uh, vi- viable and available to major league clubs, but um, we we do sell some club some play, uh, players up, and um, um, I, you know again I I think in the long run um, there there's probably going to be um, some attention given to players going both ways, um, and who knows? So, but you know again I think. This has been the first year. We all knew this was going to be an experimental year for the relationship with Major League Baseball, and um, we're looking forward to seeing uh, you know how it evolves. 
my question to you guys is did they give you a chance to ramp up into into startup mode which is kind of what i'm hearing or did you did they just cut it off and say good luck this is here's the playbook we think you should use and go forth and do good things or was there sort of a, a phase one phase two phase three implementation plan or anything like that um uh- well, I w- Jim, you were around uh, during that transition. Uh, there, I wasn't here. Then. There is a, a memo of understanding with Major League Baseball that has a number of different features, but uh, okay. no real plan. We uh, decided on 96 games at probably negotiable, uh, you know, uh, from a year to year basis. Uh, and there were a few things that are pretty well set, but it uh, uh, left a lot of room to roam because there, I guess, Mike, this is to be true to say, you've read the MOU. There was no model uh, for no, what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's it's it, it's scant <laughs> with respect to uh, what it what in fact it means, and yes, yeah. and I think that the, when you're talking about the ramp up, I think 2021 is the ramp up. Right. Um, I think it was the uh, this first year, and there are some provisions in the agreement that say for 2021 it's going to be this way, but you know, in good faith, we'll talk about 2022 and going forward. So, yeah. Um, for all intents and purposes, this is this year is the ramp up. I think that's really neat, and it's so exciting to talk to to both of you who have the opportunity to make it whatever you want to make it. Right? You get to you get to craft this thing, and you get to build it, and people are coming. Right? You build it, they're going to come, and that's what's happening. I love it. Yeah, no, I think I think, um, I think looking forward, the key issues for us is um, the the extent to which we expand the league, um, uh, the other communities that the the league will will come into, and um, I think um, we're, we're looking at um, a whole range. Um, Jim mentioned Henry Hunter, who's our vice president of business affairs, who's working through a whole digital uh, uh, marketing and, and broadcasting um, wing to, to the league that I think is going to be revolutionary. Um, I think um, we're looking at um, a, a really uh, substantive business in, in terms of tryout camps and prospect leagues and showcases. And we have a, a, a very vibrant social responsibility program working with the, uh, the MVP program that's connected to the historically uh, black colleges and universities. Um, we're working with USA Baseball on coaching, coaching clinics in our local communities, as well as school programs to talk about um, how, you know, using baseball to help uh, teach kids with math for example. So right. we are expanding the realm of what the Pioneer League uh, represents. Jim mentioned earlier that we're looking at having our own uh, um, uh, division for properties and controlling our own licensing. Um, you know, it's it's just begun what, you know, we've been around. Um, I, my tenure began in February, and, and I think we've done some remarkable things, including rebranding the league, um, we have, you know, new league logos, as you can see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's no no remaining buffalo skull in our logo, which um, I, I think a lot of uh, pagan ritualists are upset about. But everyone happy. Thirty years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But no, we are. We, we are. Character you may have seen, but uh, <laughs> there were no coonskin caps, and well, maybe there were. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> So you talked about expansion. We talked a little bit about this last night when we were when we were talking, but I want to know, is there like a minimum 
cost to buy a team in the Pioneer League? Like, if I wanted to go in and say, I want to put a team in Price, Utah, I don't know, um, what would I be looking at just to get in the door to talk to you about that? Yeah, you, you know, it, it. I'll give you the same answer I gave you last night. I'm not telling you. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. The the answer to that is I. There is no answer to that. Um, every market um, ha, has different characteristics, and uh, the cost of uh, putting a franchise in certain markets depends on the size of the market. It depends on um, uh, the nature of the facility. Um, that that you um, are either building or retrofitting uh, for minor league uh, baseball purposes. There there are, there are a number of variables that um, that are you know essentially um, a, a discussion point when somebody comes to us and says, "Look, we we'd like to move a team to Price, Utah, or wherever," and and here's um, here's what our proposal is, and we would say, "All right, let let us take a look at that market. Let's take a look at the facility." plan that you have and and let's uh, let's uh, assess that value against maybe what uh, light clubs in in the league are uh, valued at it's not an exact science sure hmm. no yeah. it sounds like an art and i uh, that's the best part so yeah brad and i have pipe dreams of owning a team one day and mm-hmm. uh, i don't think it's a pipe dream honestly but we we would love to support a community through baseball is that's our all our whole thing Uh, Mm -hmm. and owning a team seems like the perfect way to do it and we're not alone we have a lot of people in our following our audience members and our we call them our baseball family that want to support local baseball Um, and so that's why we ask questions like that we want to know and give them opportunities to understand what it actually takes so you're saying we need we need to do market analysis we need to have the city on board for maybe a bonding opportunity, um, you know, for, for building permits and zoning and all that that kind of thing. But also, we got to look at demographics uh, and analytics with with um, you know earning potential, spending potential, all that, everything. Right? It's a business yeah. proposal. Well, as part of the the process, you'd be asked to produce a business plan, and those are the kinds yeah. of issues. But I mean, I, there's one really critical point to, to all this. And Jim and I both have, in our checkered past, have been operators. And um, um, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know, Jim, if you came out of the experience of being an operator uh, of an independent league club or an affiliated league club, um, the same as I did. Because my experience was that the seven years I spent in um, owning a club in independent ball, versus all of the other years that I spent in Major League Baseball as a suit um, were the best seven years of my baseball life, other than when I was playing. Those were the best years ever. Um, and, and I would love to be able to have played to, you know, forever. But, but when the, the seven years I spent owning and operating a club, I, I learned more about the game of baseball than I did for, for the you know the sum total of all the other years, I learned more about what baseball means to a community, what it can mean to real people, not you know not just big big you know stadiums full uh, with million multi million dollar players and TV contracts and all that, but just operating um, a, a team as a small business because that's exactly what it is: it's operating a business in a local community and 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 taking your players to 
the pediatric ward at the local hospital or, um, uh, you know, doing fundraising events for local nonprofits or going to school reading programs, all, all, all of that, which you do as a minor league operator are the most rewarding times you'll ever have in your life. Jim, I mean, that was my experience. But with, without a doubt, uh, the uh, I've been involved as president of the Painter League for what was it, 27 years, Mike or something. I'm doing it in the commissioner now. Great to bring Mike in because we got all these other things to do as an independent, bringing in Henry Hunter. And we could probably use a couple of more. Uh, isn't that right, Mike? Uh, to do yeah. the things that we can see as the opportunity would bring in for making a startup type business. But there's yeah. nothing better than running. The number one thing is running a ball team. Uh, the rest of this uh, is the second best. Uh, but running a ball team is the best thing in the world. It's not for the faint of wallet, however. No, or whatever. Um, and and the stories you could tell just off the ballpark. Oh, yeah. It's a very, uh, and, and the wonderful promotional stuff that you can do. I mean, I, I, I'm oftentimes asked, what was your favorite, you know, goofy promotion that you did? And I did them all. And um, obviously, I think the best one that I ever did was in partnership with Eric Burns, who who's an old friend who played for the A's. Uh, both of us. Um, consistently uh, bemoan uh, uh, strike zones that umpires each individual umpire has. So we we created the autom first automated balls and balls and strikes, um, and did that several times um, um, a, a for a breast cancer awareness uh, fundraiser. I uh, I put my players in league of their own dresses, and they played, and we, <laughs> we auctioned them off. Tom Hanks uh, signed one, and we auctioned it off, and made money for breast cancer awareness, uh, all, all, all the crazy. I, I once gave away a free fu funeral. Um, so, you know, those are the, God, that, that was so much fun. That's good. That's good. And you guys are aware of Dave Baggett up in Ogden and the crazy promotions that he ran. Uh, and he would always claim that he was bringing the infidels down to uh, <laughs> Forum yeah. Provo in, in Utah County, right? Mm, that's right. right. His co-owner is probably an elder of the LDS, you know. I mean, so. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Yet I give him a lot of credit. He did a polygamy night uh, one night uh, <laughs> where I think if you, you brought in uh, one wife uh, got in uh, for half price and the other wife got in for free. But <laughs> <laughs> I, see. I love it. <laughs> awesome. That's funny. I thought, I thought you had a beeper or something. What do you call it that you can punch? <laughs> oh, oh, oh the out? I didn't. You know, <laughs> nothing needs to be bleeped there. That's fine. No, that's, no. that's good. Yeah, actually, he had that night. He had a yeah. uh, um, uh, an uh, IOC bribery night that you bribed your way in the ballpark off the Olympics uh, scandal. <laughs> so, so uh, I mean, that's what that's so so much fun. And yeah, I mean, it's a business, and you've got to figure out how to make it work. Um, and it's got to sustain itself. You know when. When I got uh, offered the um, uh, the opportunity to go back into Major League Baseball with the Orioles, and um, I went to my wife and said, "Well, you know, how do you feel about us um, selling the the team here and uh, me going back and you know getting a real job?" and uh, uh, And I expected her reaction was going to be great. Go to Baltimore. I'm staying here, uh, which but it wasn't. Uh, her her reaction was, and I think it's a um, truism. Of, of, of very sound economic principles, uh, according to my wife, which was, it is better to get a check than to write a check. 
So there you go. That's minor league baseball. You got to write some checks, guys. But yeah, yeah. You never have more fun in your life. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, real quick, you brought up the automated strike zone you guys did. Would you ever consider oh implementing that? Because I think that's one of the greatest things. In a heartbeat, the problem it, it's it's a technology question. I'm hoping. Yeah. We're going to have the technology available. It's very expensive technology. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping we're going to have it available to the league next year. Um, I think the the outside of extra innings, the greatest uh, bane of baseball is the uh, to, that the umpires have the discretion to define their own strike zones. I, I hate that. I think um, it, it it influences the game in a very profound mm-hmm. way. Um, and if you can normalize it, if you can create a strike zone. Um, that's uh, you know not uh, up to someone's whim. Um, it, it will do the game uh, a, a lot of credit. Uh, again, think about the difference if uh, uh, you know how many bad calls umpires make. But think about the difference between a ball being called a, a, a pitch being called a ball um, in a one-one count versus that same pitch being called a strike in the one-one count. The average difference between a two-one count and a one-two count is is huge. And and it influences games every night. Every every game you see is everywhere by the by the umpire's discretion, and it shouldn't be that way. And mm-hmm. I think that I think players honestly would have a better, me, like a better like mental approach to the game because it's like okay, that it's a strike, it's a strike, you know. Instead of like that was no borderline, I don't think it was, you know. And then upset with the umpire, you're upset for the rest of your at bat. Then you've got to let him know on your way back. The manager's got to come out and argue because he just got tossed, you know. And it's it's a whole time saving thing. It I think it would make everybody better. Pitchers would be have to be better. I think that it's it needs to Absolutely. be implemented across the board. I would honestly. do it in a heartbeat. Awesome, love it. Love to hear yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I do have one more question, Brig. I don't know about you, but yeah, this no, is like, go ahead. I've been actually holding on to this one for a few minutes. I'm curious. You mentioned that your players are typically younger than other in, other indie leagues. Um, is there like a like a specific like age group that you guys kind of try to appeal to, or that you that you do hire onto your teams to play just so that they can progress more towards the big leagues? Or is like, are you looking for like high school kids who don't want to go to college, guys fresh out of college? Or anything, or is there? Is it just kind of like come show up if you're good enough, we'll let you play? Jim, you want to answer that one? Uh, yes, the uh, we uh, we do not have an age limit. In fact, it is uh, a violation of state law in two of our jurisdictions, at least, to uh, discriminate in any uh, under any circumstances in hiring. But we do have an experience limit of three years. As I, tr- I was mentioning before, and I probably got a bit off on it, is we define three years in a, in a certain manner. Like I said, the mm. 10 games for the starter, 25 for combo, 45 in a year. And we add it up. And if you uh, have uh, three years or less experience, you can play in our league. So we tend to be younger, although I have noted that there are players in the Gulf Coast League, for instance, that uh, maybe played 18 games. Uh, which is strange to me because the players we got in the uh, Pioneer League over the years as young players, you know, the young Latins that uh, the Toronto Blue Jays brought into Madison had and so forth, you know, would play a full season. Uh, So I don't understand the playing 18 games. Maybe they worked out and I understand there's a role for the complex league, but I was unaware of that and how many players might have three years in the lower minors and and not played 45 games a year or 25 games as a pitcher. Mm -hmm. And so they may have more years actual experience, but not more game experience. And that's what right. we're looking for. What is your actual game experience? So three years is our cutoff as we define it. 
Would you pull from the adult wood bat leagues like the Spokane Hawks that you mentioned earlier? They're still around at the adult wood bat league. Yeah, the the Skyhawks and I, Skyhawks. I, yeah, I, I don't know that they are. I knew, uh, you know, McCoy that started them and so forth for the good friend. But uh, yeah, we, uh, we we not only scout. But each day I have a number of players who are uh, letting me know they're available to play in our league, and I pass those on to the managers and general managers. Uh, and so we're signing players of one sort or another. And of course, after the draft, the MLB draft, there are a number of players who weren't drafted. And we yeah. just had the tryout camp. Mike, you want to talk about the tryout camp that we just finished in Ogden? Yeah, um, we so we conducted a, a tryout camp um, right after the major league uh, draft took place, at, which again is now 20 rounds. And so think about across the span of history, how many great players were drafted below the 20th round. And Mike Piazza is the first guy that comes to Mike mind. Piazza, exactly. Yeah. Everybody will name Mike Piazza as the number one. Um, and um, so we believe that um, that's an incredible pool of talent um, that got untapped. Um, and, uh, so we, we created a, a, a camp right after the draft and, uh, it, it was a tremendous success. We, we, we had out of the hundred players or so that were at the camp, 16 were signed to, to wow. professional contracts. Wow. So it wow. was, it was an extraordinary success. And as I was saying earlier, we're looking at, um, tryout camps, um, during the off season, uh, winter leagues, uh, a whole range of, um, of opportunities for young players to get uh, noticed. Uh, I would say, you know, some of the wood bat leagues that, you know, that are uh, some of the collegiate wood bat leagues certainly have a lot of, of talent that, that should be scouted. Um, and the, there's the draft leagues and there, there there's going to be a lot of talent out there. Um, I would only hope that we saw that we would see out of all that talent that's out there, a lot more pitchers because yeah. Pitching is a, a this year more than ever. I, I've never mm-hmm. seen, um, uh, you know, a, a, a lack of good pitching uh, across the board. Uh, it, the um, the minor leagues uh, from the bottom to the top are are suffering from uh, a lack of pitching. That's right. Not only the independent but affiliated ball. If you look at the averages, but then we also had the COVID layoff year, where mm-hmm. a number of people didn't gain the experience over the year or sad or did whatever that may have some impact on that. We're hoping in the second half, which we've just started, you know, a week ago that uh, our pitching numbers will come up and the to, to balance. Uh, yeah. But yeah. And we have a lot, we have a, a ton more questions <laughs> that we just unfortunately don't have time for. We want to respect everybody's time, but um, we'd love to have you both back on the show. If you're willing, this was, I thought terribly enjoyable. I mean, I don't know how you put those two words together, but I just did. Well, I was terrible and Jim was enjoyable. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that, uh, you two guys are a kick. You know, I wish I'd known you were in our environs down in the Utah County area and we would have run some more promotions. Yeah. Well, we, when we were in Orem, we, Mike's crew and I were army, I'm retired army. And when I was in the service, I was, did some time with the Utah national guard and my friends and I would come to the ballpark and sit in section eight. And in the military section eight means you're cuckoo for cocoa puffs. Right. So, <laughs> so we would sit in section eight and we would just, we raise hell, right? There's a beat, Brad. We raise cane 
all over the place. And uh, we became known as the Section 8 crew. And it was a it was a riot. And that's the kind of environment you can foster in these lower leagues. And it's so much fun. So we yeah, we just we have fun. We've tried to carry that energy forward. And thanks for participating with us in that tonight. Yeah, no, real pleasure. It was Thank a pleasure. Great. Thank Appreciate you both very much. And um, we'll get back on and, and do more of this. Anytime. Thank you. Catch new episodes of the Baseball Together podcast every Tuesday.